Hey everyone in Meat Space, welcome to Destroy All Clickbait, the show that protects you from the ideological meme toxins distributed by the internet. I'm uh, Adam, this is Ing and Avi, we're all here again to uh, discuss the clickbait that haunts the internet. So, uh, hi guys. Hello. I'm, uh, we've had a busy week, I know, and some technical problems from last week, of course, which are required by any podcast, but... Uh, we're all ready to entertain you. So, um, who would like to go first? Who has who has something good for us? I well, I can't say I have anything. So. I kind of have something, but it's maybe a bit heavier slash bitchier to talk about. So maybe you'll keep it for uh, the second thing if you have anything, Adam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do have something, so okay, fair enough. Well, this is a ex- well, mine is extremely light, so I think we're. <laughs> I think that may be good. Okay, here's the Adam uh, P said Buzzfeed dot com Buzzfeed article. Oh my so god! You know, you know it's good, <laughs> and it's uh, ten pictures that prove Bur- Bruno Mars is actually Powerline from a Goofy movie. Um, this is from 2014, actually. This is going back a while. But oh my God. Uh, I, I'm actively lost. I have not seen a goofy movie, nor do am I aware okay, of who okay. Bruno Mars is, so this could all be deep state activating a sleeper agent. <laughs> Don't, Don't click the link in. Don't click the link. Um Yes, Abby, please tell us. Well, a goofy movie, when did it come out? It came out in the 90s at some point. I remember seeing it in theaters. Uh, I have a vague recollection of seeing it in theaters, and it is a good movie. Um, it's 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 gotten like over the past couple years a lot of nostalgia hype um for good reason because it was a very it's a um father-son bonding movie basically between goofy and max and it's Mm. very very touching and powerline is this pop star who i think is mostly fashioned after prince and probably a couple of other Black uh, musicians from that time yeah, period. I'm seeing some Michael Jackson. He's, yeah, he's, he's Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson actually wrote a song for the character. Did he? Uh, okay, if I'm not mistaken, yes. So he is definitely very much Michael Jackson, but he has a specific theme of being a a mad scientist with electrical doodads. And so stuff, I would say is... a little bit of Bowie's in there as well. Although as a result is, of that, it is somehow. Cause... An interesting bit from the 90s that, of course, the character is like a goofy-esque dog, but it looks more like Michael Jackson than Michael Jackson did in that era. <laughs> <laughs> um, he does, and then you're right. Bruno Mars is a current-day pop star. If you've heard um, Uptown Funk, he did that. No. 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 Oh. Wow, okay. All right, I will have to link you to Uptown Funk now. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, this you know, Alan he's a pop Parsons star. project or Blue Oyster Cult. I don't know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although, no, serious credit to the character designer there that even in the Disney uh, animal cartoon style, it is a very good kind of caricature getting some Akko of said Michael Yeah. Uh, traits there that I was immediately able to recognize it. 
He's 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 definitely very like as you say. It's it, he's definitely a, he's not just straight up Michael Jackson, but he's he's definitely a mix of quite a few different um, artists from from the nineties. I would say. <laughs> but yes, it's it's uh, like I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's I think two songs over the course of the movie, and they were written by Michael Jackson for the movie. So um, yeah, that's his. Uh, I, 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 I see. I'm saying that, and now I'm wondering if this is a Mandela effect, and I'm actually forgetting. Michael Jackson did not, in fact, <laughs> write any songs for it. Uh, but let me see. Let me see here, Michael. TV tropes would. Oh know. no, I'm up there. Uh, it was actually. Based on Bobby Brown, who was meant meant to voice Powerline. Uh, oh, okay. Hang on a minute. There's since people are going, was he inspired by Michael Jackson? Then that seems to cast my statement into doubt. Um. So according to TV Tropes, Powerline is the ultimate early '90s pop star amalgamation of Prince, Michael Jackson, with a healthy scoop of Bobby Brown thrown in just because. Oh, and voiced by Tevin Campbell. Okay. Uh, yeah, he wasn't voiced by Michael Jackson. I was just trying to find if Michael Jackson wrote the songs. Um, but anyway, okay, I I may in fact be I correct. I think you're uh, incorrect because it has that the going from the Disney wiki. Hmm. Uh, it has at least one of the songs is attributed to Tevin Campbell. Well, that's the voice okay. actor, right? So as the performer. Yeah, it's not... I have a feeling if it wasn't Michael Jackson, that would be under trivia, but... Yeah. This isn't helping my fear that our show is just more three idiots read the internet, but, um... Yay! <laughs> what? You were afraid? Never! That's the entire concept of the show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what? we're reading clickbait, for goodness sake. Um... Well, there you go. Okay. Um, Check under trivia. No, it, it looks as though Michael Jackson did not. I guess my brain is com- uh, compiling that together with uh, uh, Simpson, uh, uh, with uh, Do the Bartman, which was written by Michael Jackson. That I do know, um, along with Lisa, It's Your Birthday and those other a couple of other songs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely Michael Jackson, and I know that for a fact. Um, right? Wait, I'm not crazy about that one, right? <laughs> That he wrote to the Bartman? <sighs> to the Googlepedia. To the Googlepedia? <laughs> I just go to TV Tropes. Because TV Tropes yeah. is usually pretty a pretty solid place for this kind of stuff. Um, uh, performance in the uh, Hey, good news! Point. Good news, Adam. You're wrong on that one, too. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> oh. It has been. Yeah, I did not see any the- trivia about who wrote the musical numbers so it has backing oh, vocals from michael jackson but was produced and written by brian lauren oh okay there you go um yeah and he was michael jackson's one of the producers so my, well at least michael jackson was definitely involved in Do the bartman that was not that was not my imagination um, uh, did michael jackson write all his own songs he had he had the writers writing his songs too right um I know he had a lot of musical input in most of his music, um, but I don't. I wouldn't say he it, like every single song was a hundred percent him by any means because it never is. So, no, <clears throat> of course, no, no. I, but I think even at, like in just in terms of credited co-writers, I think like did uh, did Quincy Jones like write songs or was he just 
the producer for Michael Jackson. I guess we're now we don't we don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> okay, I, this I, is I, Oyster Cult or Alan Parsons project. I don't know <laughs> this. Um. <laughs> See, I, I I'm pretty sure you're younger than I am, Ing, and you're talking about how you only like seventies <laughs> prog, seventies rock. Yeah. <laughs> I have so, a few things I don't know. from like classic rock from the 80s and some of the pop rock from the 90s, but the stuff I got into as an adult was all effectively 70s prog rock. Oh my god. Well, I don't, I don't blame you for, for like, I'm, I'm the same way, don't get me wrong. I've, I've always been, like, a decade or so behind uh, what, what everyone else was listening to. I was hugely out of sync with uh, music when I was a kid. I was, that was the thing I got teased for the most uh, when i was a kid just because i wasn't into whatever you know people were listening to you know like nirvana didn't kurt cobain's death sort of impacted me four years later when i was finally into nirvana basically after he was dead i know what you mean but i like to imagine that it was four years later of like teenage adam going to everyone hey have you Found this new uh, band Nirvana. I think that Kurt Cobain's going places, and someone looking at you. Yeah, and he died. It's like, oh my god, today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, those are the Claire Danes talking in that Oliver Stone movie. He's like, how come Patsy Cline doesn't make no new records no more? Because uh, <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. And lately, all I've been listening but, uh, to have been yeah, that's remixed what I mean. She's not making anything video new. game music. Why is that? <laughs> I was just barely above that level. You're you're joking about that, Ing, but that is more or less what I was in school. Like, I'm joking know, by really speaking. I didn't know who experience. anyone was. Or... Mm-hmm. There you go, brother. We are the same. <laughs> yes. Took me. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I like I. I didn't even get into like David Bowie until like the last decade. I was I was I caught up with David Bowie in time for him to and for, in time for me to go. Boy, if he ever performs again, I got to go see a concert of his. And then he died. Oh, <laughs> well, that's just sad. But, in time you know, for adult Adam to go. Sad. Hey, have you heard this David Bowie guy? I think he's going places. Um, <laughs> 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 pretty much. Except I I I well I. I, I don't usually recommend music to people for that exact reason that I'm always like <laughs> recommending things that is everyone else looks at me like, are you insane? We all know that guy very well. By the way, in answer to my question, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, he wrote some of his own songs and he had other writers, credited writers on others of his songs. So it was kind of a mix. Tune in um, next week where Adam will discover Prince. Yep, yeah, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But yes. Uh, that is definitely so. I can see we're on the same page with with regard to that. But anyway, yes, Goofy Movie, Powerline. But Goofy Movie is yes, quite a good little movie. Um, it was it was that very brief era where, for a moment, and uh, Iron Giant is part of it too. And for like mm-hmm. a brief second, it looked like there was going to be classical animation that might get away from the Disney formula, which is the era where I was studying animation as well. Um, oh. And I've heard. Part of the reason I got out of animation is because I kind of felt like classical animation, unfortunately, is getting shoved aside, and I prefer classical to computer animation. And it's um, it's because it's know, not. It, we were talking about this before, but it's not the best way to make money now. That's the thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it, it, what's frustrating about it is Toy Story came out, and of course, Toy Story is great, uh, and Pixar is great. But and the Pixar, if you ever listen to Lasseter or one of the Pixar guys from that era, they're basically saying, "Guys, we love classical animation. Keep making classical animation. There's no reason you can't do what we are doing with classical 2D animation." We're just happen to be the pioneers in 3D animation, but and, and but everyone had this idea that like it, like the producers and things had this the money people who didn't actually understand the art form just went oh well you know if it's classical animation it's got to be a singing princess and if it's uh, if you want to do something weird it's got to be uh, yeah it has to be computer animated although now yeah. all of the princess movies are also computer animated yeah, so it doesn't oh. even matter. Mm-hmm. I was about to say it, now like, we have Frozen. Yeah, Ugh. that's right. Even that, even that, uh, even that, uh, that category got to, it waited a decade, and then it got rolled. And they and it, they clearly went. Oh yeah, it'd be great to go back to doing princess movies again. Uh, but apparently, making a classically animated movie is out of the question. Although it is interesting that I feel like some day soon someone's going to come along and do a like an indie classical animated movie that's not necessarily like as lush as a Disney movie, mm-hmm. but kind of kind of like what Wes Anderson is doing with a Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, which is stop motion. Right. But at least, but, but there's no, like he's just doing it the way he wants to do it. Because he's Wes Anderson, he can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not feeling the need to make it look like I guess uh, Leica would be the leaders in stop motion if you're looking for a big studio. I kind of, um, you know, my... he doesn't as you're saying this, like, in my mind, in my, like, mental palace, and in the movie theater there, what I'm imagining it looking like is the uh, unfinished film of The Thief and the Cobbler. Ah. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Well, didn't they, isn't it actually finished now? Like, people went back and finished it? It, it's it's it, it's one of these things that can never really truly be finished because well, yeah. it, it was it was worked on and tweaked and bits taken out and bits added in for decades. Yeah. So it's a case of um, there's all these sequences that are out there uh, floating. And they've literally said to people, "Oh, you know, oh, you you went out and uh, if it, we we sold a, a chunk of the film to collector because we didn't think it was ever going to get released." If you have it, can you give it back to us so we can reconstitute it into the film? Uh, but for those of you who don't know, the, the Thief and the Cobbler, also known as The Princess and the Cobbler, also known as Arabian Night, uh, was a movie that kind of saw release in the late 90s, but had been worked on for like 30 years by a guy called Richard Williams, uh, who was the animation director for Who Framed Roger Rabbit and uh, uh, the Pink Panther shorts uh, mm-hmm. from the 60s and 70s. Uh, and it was a really spectacular movie, and, and he taught animation at uh, Sheridan for a long time, and uh, uh, or, or maybe it was CalArts, I can't remember. Anyway, he taught a lot of the Disney animators, uh, and in fact, really, Aladdin stole a lot from the <laughs> Yes, it did. Which had not, in fact, been released at that time when Aladdin came out, but that <laughs> that is what happened. They were they were looking at this never finished masterpiece and uh, and uh, adapting it to Aladdin, basically. But yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's de- like there's bits that were removed and bits that were added back in, and and there's so there's sort of a recobbled cut, which is kind of the best they could do. The in version some ways, of but... the movie I have seen has um, not large segments, but significant segments are voiced, but not animated, and have storyboards replacing. 
Okay. Because I was okay. going to say, like, like, I've heard that it's been, quote-unquote, finished in an unfinished way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Like, it's a cohesive story, but it's nowhere near close to being something that can really be released. Yeah, that's right. the version I saw, and right now the biggest obstacle I feel to that is kind of the fact that Vincent Price can't finish his any new lines. Mm. <laughs> right. But I mean, that I think they had all the I think he's really. going places. <laughs> <laughs> that voice actor. <laughs> Who is this Vincent Price you speak of? Uh, yeah, no, well, I think he is, his stuff, it wasn't so much that they couldn't, like, they, they had all the stuff they need for coverage. It's just a case of uh, do we need this elaborate? Because uh, so much of that film is really not so much about the story. It's about um, here's a crazy little side sequence with lots of. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and in fact, bits of the film uh, were actually um, uh, made by students, uh, animation students, Williams's own students, uh, who who were animated. Like there's a bit where the thief crawls up uh, the pipes, uh, and that was actually, I think, an exercise he gave to his students uh, to animate the thief going up this pipe. Uh, and then there's another bit later on where uh, the thief is um, trying to fly over uh, this mountain of hands and grab a and grab a, a, a ruby. And again, that's another sequence I think he gave to his students to animate. Uh, so there's fewer and there's and there's sequences like that where there's eight million of these sequences <laughs> and you couldn't possibly use them all in the movie, and nor would you want to. And so, like I saw a very uh, a version like that was pure and unfinished uh and it had lots of like uh pencil tests and stuff but it had um like 10 minutes of the thief running around inside the machine while everything went domino effect on everything uh and that is again that's the kind of stuff where they just put in everything they had right so it wasn't really edited so it was quote finished but it wasn't edited properly basically it is worth seeing for the animation though because there are a lot of really experimental slash kind of trippy animations that are done very well and by hand and sort mm-hmm. of in in some ways it looks like some of the color stuff that like the uh early flesher animation was doing with their inkwell ah. stuff right yeah if you look back on some of the old stuff that was like incredibly intricate animation that is surprising for you know old yeah. animation yeah, well, just the fact that he had things like a, he'll have a, a row, a, a, a mar- rows and rows of marching soldiers, and he'll shift the perspective as they're marching, and things done in three D perspective, but none of it was done with com- with uh, computers. It was all done with yeah. uh, like by hand, just calculating out what the the angles and what the perspectives were going to be, so you could like zoom through a you know a field of soldiers marching and things like that, which must have, must have been insane because he was he was really trying to sort of show off what he could do. Yeah, there, um, there's a segment. There's a segment I think I'm if I'm remembering properly is one where is one of the few interactions actually with the teacher cobbler and the thief, mm-hmm. which involves a basically a hallway and stairway chase sequence. Which has some really, like, amazing uh, tricks that are played with the background, and I believe it's uh, simple monochrome backgrounds and stuff. Yeah, And really just... Yeah, uh, it's all black. Yeah, flipping the frames to make the, like, the next scene, and just a whole bunch of stuff that's very clever. And very trippy. Exactly, like, it's... Hmm, it's a a great... 
it's a great film if you get a chance to check it out. There was the version that was released uh, that is probably still the most commonly available version um, was only uh, it was basically they they gave him the budget to finish it after Aladdin, uh, but he was taking his time and doing this really lavish version and and people had expected it to be this quick cash in right uh, so they they kind of stepped in and said okay you're you're done and they did what has apparently only happened a few times in film history which is the the uh, bond completion company stepped in which is the company that basically ensures a, a film is going to get finished and they sort of farmed it out to really you know low cheap ass animators in korea or whatever and and uh, and and they did things like they added um Matthew Broderick is the voice of the cobbler who is not supposed to speak in the movie that was released. Um, and it, it, it really, it, it made for a very disorienting movie where you'd see this stunning sequence and then you'd see this obviously like Saturday morning cartoon in the mid eighties level animation, <laughs> the next scene, and then these really forced songs. And so unfortunately the, the version that was commercially available for a long time was very, very messed up. Um, but they're as I say, they've done the recobbled cuts. So you can you can track that down, and that's got more or less what it was supposed to I, be. I I was mentally working on a joke where it goes from really lavish animation to really lazy ones. I was working on an anime joke, but I I just can't. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> you just can't make it make it, it work. That's okay. It's just not coming along. It's it's just the Funimation practice. That's all. <laughs> uh, that anim- that anime. Yeah. I think it's going places. <laughs> you know, yes, I think it may it may catch on eventually, but I I also understand that it was a mistake. Um, yeah. Anyway, but bit of column I, A, bit I, of column I, B. But anyway, we, Buzzfeed we here has effectively a bunch of uh, picks and gifts that vaguely, I guess, have Bruno Mars in similar poses to. Um, Power line? Power line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 as usual for this show, it's a, a very dubious connection. Um, it's literally something someone needed to fill a deadline a few years ago. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, probably. I'll say that this actually, because I'm just thinking of tracking down everything from, like, all the Bruno Mars things to possibly going scene by scene to clip things from a, their copy of the Goofy movie. This probably required more yeah. work than some other stuff. True, yes. I, and I'm sure it was a very good use of their time, whatever they might have otherwise been doing. <laughs> oh, hey, they but got paid be to told, basically it, rewatch the Goofy movie, so... Yeah. Although, truth be told, if we're perfectly honest, Bruno Mars is definitely pulling from all of those artists that Powerline is based off of. Yeah. So... He is Powerline. Exactly. Let's be real. I, well, it's kind of the thing that it was like, oh yeah, Donald Trump reminds me of Biff from Back to the Future. It's like, well... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I guess it would be in this case, well, that Donald Trump Jr. reminds me of Biff from Back to the Future. Yes, because mm-hmm. he's basing himself on what inspired that character. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, as as somebody somebody said a while ago, it's like whenever you see if Trump reminds you of an '80s movie villain, it's because all the '80s movie villains are based on Donald Trump. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Of which the weirdest one is always going to be Gremlins 2, because they made him sympathetic in that movie. Really? I don't know if that one's entirely Trump. It doesn't have enough Trumpisms, but it is very much of, like, a take on the 80s executive character. Mm. He was he is definitely conceived of his, I mean his name is Clamp for God's sake. Yeah, and he I is mean, there was that of, part. But I mean like in the I, I think basic I, I think what I heard Yeah. No, he's not like Trump at all as a personality in the movie, but I believe that's how I understood it is that they cast uh uh John John Glover and uh, he just started playing him as like likable, and as the movie evolved, they just went, "Okay, he's not really Trump anymore. He's kind of a semi-decent guy." <laughs> so they, so it evolved. But I think you know the first draft of the script, he's just straight up Donald Trump. Uh, oh my god! He, There's he, one he, gif of Powerline moving with the way it's looped. I think mm-hmm. it looks like that basically his legs are switching sides in between dance step, and it's and I've just been watching it for minutes and it's driving me crazy uh, is it the pink one yes number nine yes (laughs) (laughs) and and part of it has just been my brain stuck on this is this a genuine animation mistake or animation decision or is this the way the gif is looping and it's like stop focusing on it it's I can't tell, to be honest. I know. I don't Uh, think it's how it's looping. Because his leg goes behind his other leg, and then that leg just sort of pops to the side. It's very strange. The gif is possibly missing a frame or two, and just the way it's it's playing is making it look that way. But I I guess so. Maybe, Maybe they wanted to show he's such a good dancer, he can... Rotate his uh, his waist is uh, 360 degrees and <laughs> do that. So who knows? Sure. I mean, he's a cartoon. Off. It's okay if that happens. Yeah, but it's some Jake from Adventure Time shit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty odd looking, but he's an odd looking character. So yeah. there you go. And yeah, and again, he looks. He resembles, the thing is, because it's the Goofy movie, everyone in the Goofy movie world vaguely resembles Goofy. They're the same whatever cartoon sentient dog species that Goofy is. So Powerline is this. So Powerline is basically a cool Michael Jackson Prince-esque pop star who looks like Goofy. (laughs) So if you can get that around your head. Yep. Yep. That's what we're looking at. Well, mind you, I think it was a couple of years ago that somebody on Tumblr came under the realization that as a result of, goof, of, of a Goofy movie and the existence of Max, that Goofy once had a wife. Right, exactly. What happened to her? We'll never yeah. know. Okay, exactly. yeah, so I have to bring this up since this came up with a conversation with some other friends where apparently there was a long debate and it proposed the idea that uh, okay. There was a Goofy short called uh, Dad's Day Off. Okay. Which involved basically Goofy staying home while his wife, staying home from work while his wife is out and doing the usual thing. And during the course of it, there's something like uh, the neighbor, the milkman, and 
the mailman oh or God. something wind up kissing Goofy, thinking that he's his wife, just like out of reflex. And the joke is that that that's part of uh, his wife's routine there. So then it became established. Okay, here's the clarification: Max can <laughs> is not actually his biological son. Oh, God. Because Goofy is a cuckold. <laughs> there we go. We don't have... And then there became the long debate where the positives give their... And all else aside, the concept that Goofy is a cuckold is a better <coughs> alternative to the concept that Goofy has had sex. Oh, my God. As opposed to just maybe he adopted Max and was never married to begin with. Yeah. He's... Well, that... <laughs> <laughs> if there's if there's one character who's not going to catch on, it's Goofy, for God's sake. So that does make a certain amount of sense. Uh... The, idea, the thought of Goofy having sex is so disturbing. Goofy being a cuckold oh, is the comforting alternative. Oh my god. I... As opposed to being, I don't know, somewhat... I'm not the opposite of disheartening, somewhat hopeful for people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yes, I was inspired by a Goofy movie, because if he could do it, so can exactly. I. Exactly! <laughs> if we're going down that road, it's almost guaranteed that someone has had sex with Gilbert Godfrey. Well, yeah, unfortunately. Wow, that's a turn. Gilbert Gottfried is, I'm sure, a, is, he's a persona, though. I'm sure that uh, off, off stage, he's a charismatic... A normal person? And, uh, no. Um... <laughs> Oh, uh, but here's the thing. There is actually an answer in, like, the actual Disney lore of a candidate for who who Goofy's wife was. Really? Yeah, Clarabelle Cow. Clarabelle Cow, Cow, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's traditionally Goofy's girlfriend back in the old days. Huh. And he was also in, a, he was also in the very earliest days, his name was Dippy Dog. That I knew um, about. Yes. Yeah. Which also that, means that, that it's possible that Max's real father is a uh, character named Horace Horsecollar, but... Yes, that's right. Horace Horsecollar. Yeah, they had a weird thing where sometimes she was dating Goofy and sometimes she was dating Horace. Um, but Horace is still things. a character. Holy fuck. He doesn't uh, show up as often, but I'm Horace sorry, still I... shows up in things. Why? I'm sorry, why did my mind go to this? I just really had a thought now. Huh, you know, with the fact that apparently that Clarabelle was at times dating both Horace and Goofy. Yes, possi- she was. There's possibly grounds that we could go into, like, a high school dr- uh, high school prequel to a Goofy movie. Yup. Basically. Pretty Disney, much. hire me, please. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of extremely bad ideas uh, for <laughs> what we can do with you your beloved You can't criticize character. me for oh, this. So- we made Monsters You. That's a thing that's out. Oh, Monsters You wasn't that bad. No, oh, and the, listen, and I'm just current... saying there's precedence. Well, in the current Mickey cartoons with the, the Paul Rudish cartoons that are out there every every they've been doing for a few years now, they get as I've commented on Facebook, I mean, one of them literally ends with uh the implication that Mickey and Minnie are having sex in Goofy's stomach. Uh, what? Did you, did you not see that? No. It, well, first of all, have you seen the new Mickey cartoons? There's a no, bunch of, I, I, I did not the, know it involved... The new Mickey cartoons are amazing, and you should watch correct. them. I did yeah, not know terrific. it involved vor sluttery. 
it's it's not it's it, it's more a case of just it, it, somebody recently was just saying that it sounded a bit like uh, it, it, it felt a bit inspired by Ren and Stimpy in some ways. It's certainly much more uh, over the top and madcap than is usually associated with Disney. Uh, but the, there's one cartoon uh, that has Mickey and Minnie trying to have a quiet dinner alone and Goofy gets barging in on them and, and bothering the heck out of them and Goofy's so hungry. And it literally ends with, you know, how can we get some peace? How can we be alone? And then it ends with them in his stomach, eating a, eating a dinner, eating a romantic dinner in Goofy's stomach. And then the implication that, and now it's done, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So they're going to have sex in Goofy's stomach, apparently. That's in a someone's Disney, a, fetish. That can't it's somewhere. an official Disney comic. That's like a vortex. This is an official stuff. Disney cartoon, by the way. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, there's other, well, there's also one where they literally acknowledge that Goofy is a dog and Pluto is also a dog, uh, because they have... Like he's going to take Pluto to the dog show, uh, and Pluto gets sick or something, so Goofy volunteers instead <laughs> to be his dog at the dog show. And then some of the judges at the dog show are dogs, yes. uh, talking dogs. <laughs> so they basically just did it to mess with everyone's mind who has ever made that connection. Okay, <laughs> last time I had a really bad cold or flu was also <laughs> okay. about the time the new DuckTales premiered. Okay. And I somehow fell down a rabbit hole in, like, a NyQuil-induced fever dream. And whereas some <laughs> people are fortunate enough to effectively go through the dream wasteland and come back with, like, a great religious insight or profound truth, mine was related to the Disney canon, where it came thing that it's like, the human, the anthropomorphic animal characters are not actually mm. animals. What we are seeing is their animus or their animal totem representation in art, much in the way that the Egyptian gods were not actually, like, half uh, jackal and half man, but the jackal was an aspect of depicting them. And that's... And mm. I was, like, so sick and high on NyQuil, I woke up and wrote this down because this was a profound revelation. But I think it works <laughs> for understanding it. No. Or we does. could it just is... say that everyone's furries and okay. <laughs> no, you've got to make it richer. But it is no, it's it's true that that uh, I mean it is actually part of the same inclination that makes mythological being makes when we tell myths and folk tales they they bring you know animals to life as if they were sentient human beings. It's it's clearly the same impulse that makes us do uh, you know talking animals and cartoons and kids books and yeah. And so my takeaway uh, is that they are uh, it, with the air quotes around this human characters, but are depicted in uh, anamorphic personification. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They're animal. They're animal totems or whatever. It's just like, like I say, in, in old myths, they'll describe like, you know, oh, Toad went to the market or whatever. Right. But then, and sometimes he'll be a Toad, and then sometimes he'll be like a person who calls himself Toad, and the story will just not make a distinction sometimes between whether it's literally... Sometimes he's by lightning. Things happen. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> all kinds of different things, but certainly a lot of <laughs> a lot of ancient myths that kind of things happen. Anyway. But yeah, yeah, and, it's, and it's, I wrote down evidence, thing. for example, despite uh, the duck-like nature, uh, Donald is neither necessarily aquatic, nor is he gifted with flight. 
Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, he can't fly. He can't swim. I no, no, he can swim. He's a part of the Navy. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, but he does not live... Okay, he lives on a houseboat, but he does yes. not like live in the lake in that he is capable being perfectly buoyant at a resting state. <laughs> well, that's but, true. For some strange reason, not... he wants to put the, the triplets in life vests, even yeah. though they're all ducks. They're all ducks, yeah. <laughs> And somebody posted, a, I think it was a Floyd Gottfriedson uh, comic panel uh, on Twitter the other day, and it was Minnie Mouse going, seeing a mouse in her house, and going, eating a mouse! Yes! And I, I didn't even register with me, but somebody was like, well, yeah, sure, if a Neanderthal logged in your house, you'd be horrified, too. Um, no, 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 my favorite response was there was, okay, put yourself in Minnie's perspective, and you see a tiny naked man run across your kitchen. <laughs> Basically, I was gonna say it's the same thing as as that. No, it's even more horrifying exactly. to Minnie. <laughs> this is some exactly. rats in the wall Brown Jenkins bullshit going on here. And I mean, there's I can vouch for this personally. There's a lot of evidence that these animators and and comic book artists. They just stop thinking of them as animals oh, yeah. at yeah, all. Definitely. Like I, I have no. There's definitely scenes where they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, Donald Duck's like, yeah, I'll have the chicken." It's like you, you know, a chicken. What? Like your your friend is a chicken. Well, <laughs> if you actually watch the opening sequence of the new Ducktales, you it, you see three different sailors, and one's a duck, one's a pelican, and one's a seagull, and they're all shooing away a seagull. <laughs> They also put in a segment in which a pug woman is walking a pet pug dog. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Precisely. And and like I say, and and even weirder, as we say, the early, we're talking about Horace, Horse Collar, Clarabelle Cow, and Goofy, who is apparently a dog, uh, who are all sort of, you know, in in a romantic relationship. So they're not even the same species. Usually they try to pair up the same species romantically, right? Yeah. Donald Daisy. That that's a case where Yeah, but that is due to old timey missegregation laws and the Hayes Code. And I was going to say they're also mostly tertiary characters, so they don't care as much. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Well, like I say, if you read the Floyd Gottfriedson comics, they you know uh, Horace, Clarabelle, and are are actually in them quite a bit. Uh, In fact, Horace was almost his sidekick before Goofy really took over the role. Right. Um, Mickey, I mean. Um, But, uh, so they're they're pretty well established and stuff like that. Well, that's in part because I know that apparently Maybell is really super popular in Italy (laughs) for some reason. But I think that has more to do with the fact that certain characters have weirdly global appeal in certain parts of the world. Oh, no. So, t- yeah, like, DuckTale and Disney comics are apparently really popular in the Norwegian-slash-Scandinavian world. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah much- they, they love Donald over there. So much so that the Dungeons and uh, Dragons translated volumes yeah. for that region have effectively duck people as a uh-huh. core species. Really? Yes. You can find art to it, too, to where there are effectively barbarians and warlocks and that drawn as basically Donald Duck-like creatures. And this is from, this is from legit Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. 
it's actually a great idea for an RPG. Like, that's actually really cool. Just do it an all uh, funny animal, you know, fantasy <laughs> RPG. That'd be great. Oh, my God. And Just all animals. Ever... Everyone is a different type of animal. In fact, has anyone ever done an RPG where it's, like, cartoon rules? Like, you uh, can't yes, actually, actually die. Shoot. You get... um, fuck, what was it called? Was it just called Toons? I don't know. But but there is at least, like, a classic one that is uh, supposed to be uh, a pen and paper game that works on uh, Looney Tunes <laughs> physics. <coughs> oh my god. And, like, Looney Tunes logics. Jeez. That would be great. But uh, the, so my question, of course, is you can't. You obviously can't die, right? right? And in fact, so, it actually has the thing that, like, one of the taglines is that you, uh, where nobody dies, everyone has fun. <laughs> I think was the tagline. And yeah, I'm guessing ta- it's meant to be kid friendly. I depending how you play it, but no, there is like an actual <laughs> thing. Your character can't die. There's just an exit from the scene, a la Wiley Coyote. <laughs> And that's an actual right. baked-in mechanism right. yes. there, I mean, and I always thought that was really clever. Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't die. It's just yeah, you there's you fade out, and then you back at hole the next scene. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's neat. <sighs> I remember. I remember they did um, <clears throat> a a a, a Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner uh, video game. Again, it was a uh, Super Nintendo, I believe, um, and insanely you play as the roadrunner um and to me i'm like if anyone in that relationship is a video game character it's wiley coyote obviously <laughs> because he's gonna get run over and then he's gonna come back with his next life or whatever like of course you do it as the coyote right i couldn't believe they didn't see that and instead you're the ro- roadrunner and so theoretically you're the roadrunner constantly getting killed by wily e. coyote which is against the entire spirit of the cartoons <laughs> so i'm just amazed that yeah. they do that. <laughs> which now like just nice, makes like... wily's existence an even greater hell and even when he succeeds the universe restarts to give the roadrunner another shot there you go yep that's true. That's a, there's a deeper existential uh, exploration. I'm saying that Wile E. Coyote yeah. is basically the family in uh, Funny Games. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which I haven't seen, but I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, for the reference, if people haven't seen it, Funny Games is a horror comedy question mark? Thing, <laughs> where the concept is that it's a home in a home invasion but the um sadistic people who are taking this family hostage are aware that they're in a movie okay really? yes huh i did not know that it become it. well the scene i was actually referencing is that there's one part near the end where one of the hostages manages to get free and kill one of the people and, like, go through this, and the main, uh, like, villain there sees all this basically cur- uh, curses that, like, shit, things all go down there, and takes out a remote control and rewinds the f- movie. Really? Yes! Wow! I did not know that movie was that bonkers. I thought it was just a really violent home invasion <laughs> thriller. Jeez. <laughs> 
And I believe okay, I gotta see this now. it's been Jeez. a bit since I've seen it and it's subtitled, but I do believe that character explicitly addresses the audience and breaks the first, fourth wall before and after that. Oh my god. So hmm. then it becomes a very bizarre thing where I think the intention was supposed to be that by watching it and being the audience, the audience is complicit or accomplices. Right. Right. Yes, I've heard that about that movie. Yes. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. It's very odd and somehow not a David Lynch movie, which I'm just going to (laughs) say somehow not David Lynch is now a genre. Not. (laughs) Well. Lynchian yet not Lynchian. Yes. Interesting. Well, there you go. Oh, uh, check out funny I, thought, games now. I that... thought of the Ur example of them just forgetting that the character was supposed to be an animal. Betty Boop. Huh? Where you said that the animators yes. just stopped thinking of them as animals. Betty Boop was originally a poodle. Yes, she was. I, she was originally yeah. a poodle, and then eventually they got rid of the dog-like features. Yeah. yeah. Although her boyfriend yeah. did remain a dog until he was just phased out entirely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but what's his name? Um, oh, uh, I'm blanking Bo- on it. Bobo Binko or something. Hold on. Yeah, and and should and, we just and, transition and, and, this into an animation podcast? Because we're doing good. <laughs> sure. Hey, we're all animation fans. Well, if you want, I mean, we can switch. Fearless on to what Fred Ua says. No, that can't be right uh, no. because that's it's clearly with, a human, and he looks like, B. and he looks horrifying, like a Betty Boop version of Andre the Giant. Um. So her boyfriend's name was Bimbo. Oh, oh right. Yes, How Bimbo. could I forget that? <laughs> How could you forget that? <clears throat> yes. No. It, I think. I think just to make one last point, that I think the. The thing about the really early cartoons, and it's true of Horace and Clarabelle and Oh, I'm Goofy sorry. Apparently, well. uh, apparently, I'm corrected by the internet that Bimbo Boop is Betty's grandpa, not boyfriend. Oh, what? That so that's ar- what comes okay. up when I type in Betty Boop dog boyfriend. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I'm... I met like an FAQ thing, and it says Bimbo is a cartoon dog. Created by Flesher Studios uh-huh. from out of the Inkwell series, Betty Boop was created to be his companion, but eventually became more popular and Bimbo was moved into a supporting role and says that he is Betty's grandpa. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whoa! Hold pretty... on, no. Here's a clarification. Uh-huh. Where another, uh, like, FAQ, just like in the drop-down, clarifies, like, who is Bimbo in relation to Betty Boop and says that he is Betty's main love interest. So, I'm really hoping the first one is a mistake or a typo, or else things got very <clears throat> weird. Yeah, needless to say. <laughs> wow. Uh, but I'm yes, no, going, I always knew... Yeah, I'm going with that Bimbo dog is the boyfriend, and we yeah. will just ignore that other thing. Because um, I'm on the Betty Boop Wikia for <laughs> Bimbo, and it doesn't one. mention anything like that. The, the closest uh-huh. thing to that is that some people think that Bimbo was turned into Pudgy the dog, which is untrue. Pudgy and Bimbo are completely different characters. So that's the only thing that this says about uh, Bimbo being a different character than what he is. 
or was. So anyway, yeah. Well, but yeah, just as I was saying, just one last point about that. I think part of the reason there's this, you got horses and cows and dating each other and dogs and humans is that the early animation, it's so rough and like, there's so many, they're all sort of on this basic model of, you know, black skin with little pointy ears and then big eyes yep. and, and like white mouth, nose pieces. So it's, it's almost like you, you can't even tell what species they're supposed to be and who cares, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I think they moved away from it in the later cartoons as they started to get more sophisticated with the character design. And you can tell, you know, oh, that's a cat. That's a dog. Okay, they can't be boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. Or they can, but it's... Yeah. I, I think there are a few holdovers, but mostly uh, I think that's uh, that's what happened. And not to mention a lot of this was also... A lot of designs were based off of vaudeville acts at the time as well. Yeah. Which is where, yes. which is why they all have gloves. <laughs> um, uh, gloves as hands. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of well that, and I think the other thing is just because it was black and white, you want to have um, like you, you can't just if it's black silhouette. Like if the hands were black, it would be harder to read the hand what the mm-hmm. hands were doing and the face. I think that's another aspect of that. And also, unfortunately, some racist aspects because they were kind of being blackface yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Or modeled to some extent. Although it's a little hard to say exactly where they drew that line and where they were just... There, are, the there are some characters that are worse than others, and most <laughs> of them are that people remember. So... Yeah. yeah. Which, again, fortunately they moved away from. Anyway, on I that note... I gotta tell hey, you, the saying... Google image search is absolutely uh, horrifying <laughs> and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that. you go into that? I wouldn't there. <laughs> there also appears to be, if I'm reading this right, and there's some strange ones in some of the black and white things where they did shading, and it appears that Betty Boop is shaded as being black. Oh, um... yeah. That's, of course, she was... Uh, in fact... You could say canonically Betty Boop is black uh, because she was modeled on an existing uh, singer uh, and dancer. Uh, I forget who it was. Um, But yeah, she was a well-known... If you Google Betty Boop uh, inspiration or whatever, uh, there was a well-known singer and dancer in the 20s, and she was the the basis for Betty Boop, which Uh, is what I always... Ellen Kane. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, Betty Boop first made her appearance in Dizzy Dishes. Although Clara Bow is often given as being the model for Boop, she was actually she actually began as a character of singer Helen Kane. Yes, and if you see her, and it's funny because there's a picture of her with kind of spiky hair, and uh, Helen Kane, I mean, and she looks a heck of a lot like. uh, the actress who's around these days. Um, Although Helen Kane apparently sued Flesher for her likeness. I'm oh, saying that okay. Helen Kane was white, though? Uh, I'm seeing, okay. Oh, okay. Hang on. This is another rabbit hole. Um. Yeah. I'm seeing someone else claiming uh, there was an actress named, or uh, there was a singer named Esther Jones. Yes. Who was the inspiration. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's then it starts talking about Helen Kane. Because um, Helen Kane did sue them for, for using her likeness. 
there's a few different people who are supposedly the inspiration for Betty Boop, but at least one of them was black, definitely. Um, yeah, no, um, uh, Esther Jones or Baby Esther. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think that's or G- Gertrude Saunders. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so it's a... But anyway, I was just seeing there's apparently one in a Popeye cartoon where she appears, and it is uh, shaded distinctly different. Yeah, no, there's some colored cartoons of her where her skin tone's been made darker deliberately um, for various reasons. Anyway, but I always said there's there's enough precedent there that if they ever rebooted Betty Boop, they should make her black. That should <laughs> I think they should do that. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, so having unless we have anything else to say on that subject, uh, Ing, if we want to move on to yours, oh. as I say, I've got to get uh, going. If you said yours was a little heavier, so yeah. I'm, um. So. Um, this isn't on a specific <laughs> clickbait, but on kind of a content slash clickbait network, <coughs> which kind of as okay. of this week is getting some bad press, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about that stuff, especially, you know, I guess looking behind the scenes for how sausage is made kind of thing. Okay. So, the... So this week, a group document was published that is public called uh, Not So Awesome, which collects grievances of former employees or creators for the website Channel Awesome, previously that guy with the glasses. Yes. Oh, that. Yeah, and it is a 60-page document effectively um, just fully getting in one place and cataloging a lot of basically horror stories or grievances some people have been sharing over the years, and some new things, too. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. But, so, I don't, like, how far <clears throat> into background should I go? But the ba- Okay, so the basics is that you have this... Uh, website where, despite kind of like in the age of YouTube, this apparently was an actual corporate thing. There was a corporate structure with CEO, CEO, CFO, etc., which is fucking wild to me as I can't kind of like wrap my head around that. But there was that, and they got uh, recruited effectively more content creators to their page. Uh, basically under the promise of exposure. Mm-hmm. That, you know, exposure. that their platform gets more views there and that it's a prestigious thing from being, like, in a... This was just before YouTube became, like, a viable career option. Yeah. We should say. Right. But that I'm apparently guessing. the plan to... The consistent plan for contributors was to pay in exposure, and kind of the punchline is that people Boy. were paid in exposure and the check still bounced. Ooh. <laughs> That's not good. 
Yeah. In, in what sense? Well, that, one of the one bounce. of the big yeah. criticisms uh, of there is is that they get people promising to pay them in exposure and then do not actually provide actual exposure on the website either due to uh, seemingly website interface incompetence, uh, kind of what seems to be some favoritism of talent and not promoting new creators in that and just the general sense so it became the thing yeah you're asked to and at this and at the part of this time there were apparently some restrictions that you had to provide a content once a month at minimum there and there were like actual and that there were actual work guidelines and things that you like could or could not do including social media interactions etc you were they wanted people to ask permission to go to cons which they didn't like some cons or saw some of them as there so there's exerting a level of control as a um production house would but the promise is that they are being paid in exposure for being on the website where the whilst the website makes money through ad rev ad revenue hmm. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. And then if they're telling people that, oh, you'll get the exposure there and they're not actually promoting them or putting them in a place where people can get clicks, that's sort of the joke there. You're being paid in exposure and the payment isn't going through. Mm -hmm. Yep. I see. Yeah. And truth be told, like, there have been tricklings of all of the bad stuff happening at Channel Awesome slash that guy with the glasses. So, because slowly over the years, you've had person personality after personality leaving that website and doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, I think probably one of the most well-known people at this point who was on that guy with the glasses was Lindsay Ellis, a.k.a. the Nostalgia Chick. Um... And she left, and she is doing just fine for herself, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you want another interesting character, I would suggest looking up a video on YouTube that's about Noah Atweiler, a.k.a. Spoonie. Uh, Frederick okay. Knudsen uh, did a really good video on him. I'll link it in our Discord. Yeah, um, so the too long didn't read that in that uh, Noah Atweiler back in the... Akva said YouTube.com. Shoot. I thought I turned off uh, the Discord speak and spell function, but it's still going. Sorry. Nora Natwiller was in the 2010 <laughs> error sort. I kind of want to say yeah. about, about that time was a yeah. fairly popular and actually, I will say, uh, talented along that line of like YouTube-like work. Right. But uh, things um... became coming out more and more that it seems that he suffered from undiagnosed bipolar disorder, which resulted in very embarrassing and uh, kind of off-putting public meltdowns. Pretty much. Um, although Noah did make claims that it was harder for people to see his content on the website because it would always get pushed down in favor of other content. Yeah. Usually content that was done directly from um, Nostalgia Critic or whoever else that they might be favoring. Yeah. So 
even though it probably was him trying to make excuses, <laughs> um, he probably did have some, there was probably some truth to his claim that people weren't seeing his stuff because well, he wasn't being yeah, properly represented. sort of thing. It was like, yes, and sub this was, while behavior-wise he was someone was having basically a uh, psychiatric disorder or, like, nervous breakdown walking mm -hmm. around the euphemisms but to be like blunter and non-pc about it just because i'm crazy doesn't mean i'm not right right exactly yeah. um um so i do suggest watching that whenever you get the chance uh frederick does a lot of really good videos about weird trends like he did a really good one on the finger family if you do ever get a chance but I do recommend I don't that know one. what that, that is. What's watch. in my mind sounds absolutely horrible. Um, uh, um, <laughs> the finger. Family. The finger family video is basically that whole trend that was happening on YouTube with um, poorly sung children's rhymes and oh. why they are getting stupid popular. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, again. Yeah. To go back to the runner, that's not Alan Parsons or Blue Oster Co. I don't know that. Um. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Everyone loves the Finger Family. That's what all the kids are talking about. Oh yeah, literally, literally kids in this case. Yes, very young, very young kids. Very young kids, as in. Is this a home star? Is this a home star runner or your salad fungers? Um. It's not salad fingers. It's definitely not salad fingers. Uh, so, a lot of the documents are things that come from there. Of One, the CEO seems really kind of abusive and prone to corporate bullying. Which, when I was talking over with one of my friends said, Oh, uh, we made the joke there. Well, yeah, this is good second-hand uh, Schrodinger, because while these people have done nothing to personally slight us, their behavior and mannerisms are similar enough that they emotionally provide a good stand-in for people who fucked us over, thus we get enjoyment from seeing them being exposed. Oh, right. I mean, being some honest about why there's a drama drawer, but, uh, yeah, that and just some... Amusing stuff came from uh, just poor communication and unprofessionalism, which gives the view that they want it to be very professional in all professional and like work like in all the instances where it would be beneficial, and then loosey goosey in all the instances where that requires them not to do as much. <sighs> Which, that sure sounds a lot like some of the bad jobs I've had. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, some of the technical things, including some amusing stuff about not knowing how filming works. Including oh for some movie projects, not knowing that uh, water and food had to be provided. What? Yes. <laughs> what? Apparently an instance well, where, of... due to a poor stunt, someone passed out from being duct taped to a tree. Um, oh what? Uh, what? Apparently a what? breaking out with um, a filmmaker and film critic at Glasser who was working uh, camera work for fun at 
one of those and had a falling out over a long argument where he could not get them to understand the 180 rule. Oh. Okay. Well, well, okay, so the one background, the 180 rule is something that anyone listening to this most definitely knows, but you probably don't know the vocabulary of it. Yeah, like you've like when it's done poorly, you can tell. Basically, it means that when you're <laughs> uh, filming a thing, people, you don't uh, cross over an imaginary 180 degree tangent fence. Yeah, fence to where the action is, so as it doesn't look like between cuts, people have switched positions. Right. <clears throat> yes, for conversation. And it's true yeah. in, in comics as well. You don't yeah. so you don't have a guy on the left and the guy on the right talking a guy on the left and a girl on the right talking and then you suddenly the girl's on the left and the guy's on the right in the next panel. Right. Or the next shot, as it were. Without um, yeah, I mean there then, is a w- there is a way to do it, but yeah. most people don't know how to do it Without, properly, uh, so trans- it just ends up being darn. Yeah, and to fix that, there's either a clear thing of showing uh, that there's a movement transition to clearly right. show that there is the cross lap, or you intentionally break it to create a surreal atmosphere, most <clears throat> famously, I think, done in the red bathroom scene in The Shining, where Kubrick actually does that repeatedly. Right. But again, <clears throat> you kind of have to know what you're doing if you're going to be breaking that particular rule. Right. But it's... <laughs> But it's the sort of thing that, like I said, it's so much in just the casual language of uh, visual art and storytelling that everyone kind of, like, once it's explained to you, you're like, oh yeah, I know that, even if you didn't know the dialogue. So it's very strange to have that people who've apparently done, like, two previous movies and onto the third get to the point Not realize what it is. Not a, not only not know what it is, but get in an argument with the more experienced filmmaker about it. Weird. <sighs> yeah. That's so bizarre. It's really, really bizarre. <laughs> Although my, my favorite ones in the bizarre things were apparently uh, Doug Walker acting as directing, yelling directing comments to people in the background at a at filming that was done at a park who were not part of the shoot they were just people at the park <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god megaphone and saying none of you appreciate my genius <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and that, that, <laughs> to, to be fair there's always a learning curve in any artistic endeavor Oh yeah, but certainly. That is fine, but there's also some stuff in, like, I think Reddit or other interviews of um, Doug Walker feeling himself to be a film expert and comparing himself favorably to Spielberg and Ebert. Mm-hmm. So, okay. some of it, yeah, so some of this with the arrogance comes off as funny to where you're yelling at random people in the background to get into yeah. training. Um Yeah. Uh, that's not how that works. No, no. Oh, that's funnier. The stuff, some of the darker things and the newer things that come out. That, uh, well, for one thing, is that somebody was. There were cases of sexual harassment and stalking within yeah. the corporate structure. 
Including, apparently, someone doing it repeatedly until they were fired for unrelated reasons. <sighs> the human uh, resources director being required to work uh, every day of the year. What? Yeah. That's illegal. <sighs> uh, to quote the document, non-union work, what can you do? Um, and she was eventually fought. Uh, that's and, still illegal! Yeah, she was fired, <laughs> but tells of an instance where, <clears throat> after they oh. fired their COO, who had been, uh, stalking slash sexually harassing her at times, for unrelated things, uh, members of the company armed with baseball bats and one person with a samurai sword came to take her to an impromptu made safe house. Okay. What? Yeah, I just want to give this comedy of errors the <laughs> that the, 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 this is a thing presented, and oh. also the big takeaway there is that it reveals everyone was given pepper spray, and that Doug Walker uh, thought to test the pepper spray by spraying it into a sink, which did not go well. Well, at least he didn't spray it into his own face. Um. Oh, okay, here's yeah, the thing. Say. Think of how a uh, sink is shaped. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which so I he just... didn't actually aim for the drain, he just aimed for the sink. Well, here's the thing. Uh. I, just, I, I wanted to be kind to this because that is a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to say, well, maybe I wouldn't have thought of like how sink and fluids work, but going that. But then I stopped and thought, you know what? Even in that instance, I would have thought, hey, you know what? A chemical mace and pepper spray smells really bad. This should be tested outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if I wouldn't have been smart enough to realize that issue, I think other common sets would have hidden. <clears throat> um, Probably. There are things of an unnamed producer by um request of the people who came forward who was apparently uh, grooming underage people for uh, sexual relationships. Oh, God. oh okay. of course. Oh, there there yeah. always has to be yeah, that guy. There always has to be. Um, yeah. And to tie it into the worst thing, into just the worst of the internet there, it has... Uh, it talks about the firing of Dan Olson, who I believe is now known on YouTube as Folding Ideas, who worked there yes. briefly, but did investigative journalism on Gamergate while it was starting to go around, and mm. subsequently became targeted by harassment there, and the company's response was to fire him. <sighs> because of the harassment and blaming him for causing controversy. Oh, okay, because that's how that works. Don't, don't they want controversy? It's like, well, I don't know. yeah. I mean, that's also where it gets into the clickbait thing. Are you doing real content, or do you just want clickbait? And if you're firing someone for creating controversy for something where they actually didn't do anything sleazy or wrong? Yeah, no. He was just doing his job. And I actually do Dan Olson, his his videos are quite good when they do come out, um, but that's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. If you want hey, to we're learn... gonna hire you to do the thing, but the thing has gotten too dicey, so we have to fire you. Yeah. Lindsay Sorry. Ellis uh, lists 
uh, that story in apparently one of the big reasons why she left. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks to me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's it. You know, just check out and su- support the people who have left there, because that's There's that. quite a few at this point. But oh. it really, um... It also does come across like they talk about a bunch of the stuff that, like, um... Doug Walker, that a astrologer critic was doing, that was quote put, that was you know accused by the way their thing worked of pushing other people away, because he started producing a bunch of vol- a bunch of just high volume stuff that was basically very disposable and low effort and low scripted, mm-hmm. just you know to have more and more content, and I thought that was interesting from our point of view of saying, well, here's something that. You would think kind of, I mean, I guess always borders on clickbait e, but as I guess the business treadmill keeps revving up, you're tempted more and more to do just more disposable stuff just for the clicks. I mean, yeah. that sort of makes sense, but and that's and that's why we have places like BuzzFeed where they do so much disposable stuff, and then once in a blue moon, they produce yeah. something that's actually really, really good and important. Um, but I can't say that Channel Awesome has really ever done that. No, because they fire like, they fire the people who do that. Yeah, who do um, that? Um, this looks like journalism. Don't ever let me see this on my desk again. We're hiring you to do journalism, but oh, you're not uh, going to actually do journalism. How dare you do journalism? <laughs> yeah, looking through it, there's also stuff with um, a failed crowdfunding project, which is funny on its own. It was like, look into that, because that is an amusing and kind of sad comedy of errors, and sort of the things of uh, shortchanging artists. Oh, and that great. comes, which Adam, as you know, that's like part of the run there. But kind of the thing that it really comes down to is like, one, never, like, be paid in exposure. Oh, that that is true. And yeah. I guess always be like, I guess kind of wary of businesses or ventures that really have like a strong corporate structure or that, but want to present like the friendly kind of we are Apple, mm-hmm. Pixar, we do things Lucy, where your friends kind of face. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, because that seems a lot of things, and a lot of people are saying why they stayed so long is they okay, you know, well, this it, it had the thought, well, this isn't, like, a real business there, this is just a bunch of, uh, like, a group of friends, it's like, we are friends here, this is a group of friends, and we're, like, doing this thing together, and eventually it came down, there was like, well, yeah, that's how we see it, and that's how fostered, but there's a CEO and a COO... And people drawing in money that other people aren't seeing and that sort of thing. Right, and there isn't enough transparency with all the actual divisions that are there, because if they had an HR manager, Mm -hmm. like, that means that there's actual employees who are also getting paid. Yeah. So, like... That that is definitely... I've, I've even sort of experienced that firsthand where there was a company and it was, oh, we're starting up a, uh, it was going to, you know, to be teaching people animation. And and they said, oh, we're going to, 
we're going to, you know, we're just starting out. They'd actually been in business for years, but they kept mm-hmm. restarting as new businesses, basically. Yeah. Oh, um, that, and, that doesn't, that's red flags right there. Well, see, I didn't know that <laughs> at the time, of course. I was, uh, this was right out of college. I was, I thought I'd get a teaching job and stuff. It was going to be really cool. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, and then it was like, oh, we can't pay you. Well, because we're still struggling to get it all together to make everything uh, get together, you know. And eventually all the teachers kind of got together and essentially were about to march on the boss's uh, office and they went and they filed for bankruptcy and said, oh, you were all contractors, so you don't get any money uh, out of our basically. Oh, that's such bullshit. It is. And and we didn't even have the fun workspace, although they did let me, you know, write my own curriculum and stuff, but it was because they weren't serious. They were just bilking the students, you know. They were were a diploma diploma mill for animation. Right. And one thing that came out here that surprising was a kind of look again there behind the scenes there of just how um, kind of corporate it's structured it is for something that very much had the appearance of being kind of like a grass-rooted naturally grown thing from the internet <clears throat> like that it was actually started by people who were executives before and approached uh, yeah. Doug and Rob <laughs> Walker on this business venture thing. And the kind of one thing that just still baffles me is that Doug Walker does not actually own the rights to his character. No, he does not. Which which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but... it's a thing that it's kind of a thing that like baffles me. How do you like, you know, kind of catch lightning in the bottle of getting some success on something doing stupid shit on the internet? And then mm-hmm. kind of just diarrhea shit it all away, recreating the same corporate structure you would think people would go to internet work to specifically avoid. Mm. But yeah, Mike uh, McCond or Mitchand, I don't, I'm not good at names. The CEO there is apparently like a very uh, business bro M, um, MBA like professional executive, basically. So, but still, this is somebody who, you know, is a professional businessman, but like the animation thing you were talking about, fostered a culture where it was meant to be, oh, we're really, you know, loose. This is just a natural outgrowth of the way the internets work. These are just, you know, people coming along with passion. So, like, using this guise to be unprofessional where it's beneficial. Exactly. Yeah, basically. People should watch out for that, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so no that's like a warning thing that apparently there was like actual business sharks there know that this is a strategy to bilk people and will play into intentionally creating that culture. <sighs> and the thing is, you have to assume it kind of came about like without anyone planning it, it was it really was legitimately, oh, we're a cool company, but we're incompetent. And then that led to them going, Hey, we can uh, bilk people <laughs> and that yeah. became a strategy, right? Like but I don't I don't believe it started as a calculated strategy. I think it came out of people who probably legitimately wanted to run a loosey goosey, as you say, corporation, uh, but discovering that that let them uh, stretch it out longer than otherwise they could have yeah, and that's a chicken of the egg. I, it, 
like legally I can't speculate on actual motives. Well, probably what happened was is that they started it and then they realized that people were that they could make a lot of money off of other people without having to pay other people and then yeah. they just kept doing it because nobody said anything yeah. <laughs> so except as you know the thing thing people were saying anything and they were going basically saying yeah we're looking into that we're taking care of that yeah that'll come soon so and then it never did yeah and it's part of why it's is that the people like came and made this big document to the outside viewers it looks just like you know a bunch of people working out of a garage doing like the, oh, gee, shucks, you know, we're trying, but then it was pointed out, there's mm-hmm. a corporate structure behind this. And if you're mm-hmm. actually, like, incorporated and not, like, you know, just an LLC or mm-hmm. that, so, mm-hmm. like, a small business structure, I don't know if there's a Canadian equivalent <laughs> for tax well, that's purposes. Fine. That's what we call them, too. Okay. Yeah, uh, not that I would know, but yes. Fair enough, it's like it's kind of like you want the net down when you serve, but the net up when people return. And Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, you... Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> You're not a big professional yes, thing, so all... you can be unprofessional with your contractors, but, you know, these people work for you as contractors, so they have to be professional. Right. Like, the the expectations that you have for them don't fall on you whatsoever. Right. That's always bullshit. Always, always bullshit. And, you know, I, I think it's worth, uh, you know, being suspicious there and saying now, you know, maybe all of this isn't just for everyone, like, well-intended and people get over their head. Maybe some of it is intentional guys. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it is now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, um, I uh, have to get uh, going, unfortunately. Oh, oh no! We're, uh, we're approaching the deadline, so uh, I don't know if you want me to check out or if you guys want to keep going. No, uh, this is a good me, place to I stop do... for me, too. Thanks. Yeah, this is perfectly fine. Okay. I mean, I think we've been yeah. going for about an hour, though. So. Yeah, yeah, over an hour, I think, so I think yes. we're good. All right, everyone, so we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I, uh, I, As always, it's been a blast. So good night from all of us here at Destroy All Clickbait. Me, Avi, and Ng. And remember, keep your browser history clean and your ad blockers pumping.